0: Welcome to the Gosha News Sports Podcast. I'm sports editor Greg Keim, and with me is sports reporter Austin Huff. And Austin, we're, we actually started getting a little taste
1: of high school sports uh, this week I for know. you. For the first time in five months, this podcast has high school sports to talk about that well, actually happened. That actually happened, That actually yeah. happened, we We talked yes. about sports
0: being canceled, delayed, and all that <laughs> stuff. Now we actually get to talk about something that actually happened we- on an athletic field of endeavor.
1: We, I counted it up on Sunday I actually looked it up I didn't necessarily count but I just googled it well I know you, you don't have that many fingers no no <laughs> it was a hundred it was 141 days in between the last IHSA event which was the high school's gymnastics state finals I mean, if you remember they did that right on uh, March 14th with no fans with no fans right what I almost forget that it didn't that it happened you know because like you just thought everything got canceled after the basketball tournament but really they did they did gymnastics. And um, it was 141 days between that day and yesterday, March or August 3rd, March 3rd, <laughs> August 3rd, when we had high school girls golf matches, invites everywhere across the state yesterday.
0: No wonder uh, I was having withdrawal symptoms. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I was, uh, I, I've never been happier to type up girls golf scores in my life, let me tell you. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it was pretty fun. I was out at the Goshen Invitational yesterday, Concord won. By one shot over Mishawaka Marion and uh Concord's number one player actually chipped in for a birdie on her last hole yeah so think about that if she doesn't if she doesn't chip it in and makes a par we're tied or maybe two putts and they lose so that chip in you know effectively you know won them the match I'm sure there were other shots along the way but well, that one, yeah right that one's gonna be looked at as like the definitive oh well she chipped it in, saved, you know, got a birdie instead of a par, and we won by one. So, I mean, even
0: even if you talk to a golfer, they went out shot par, they can still always go back and say, "Well, I could have done better on that hole. or I could have, <laughs> I could have knocked a stroke off right. of this one." Or, Every
1: year, you feel like golfers are their their own worst biggest critics. critics, worst critics, biggest critics. Same, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but it was good, and we had a we had a tiebreaker uh, to, to the determine medalist. the the medalist. Yeah, and. Um, Madison Kyle from Lakeland, she was part of that. She finished second. She actually lost a tiebreaker. It was tough. She, they, both girls had great shots on the first uh, on their tee shots. And in the second shots, uh, the Marion girl, uh, she hit one within like 10 feet of the hole. I mean, it was a great shot. And Kyle's shot went a little over, so it just kind of fell that way. But, and she had a par putt lip out, too. Like, she got it on the green. Kyle, she was going to tap in. She had a 12-footer for par. I mean that thing went halfway down and rolled out. It was like, man, I would have counted it. Like <laughs> that's well, close yeah, enough. I would know. have picked that up and wrote a four on my scorecard if I was playing. That's all I'm going to say. So that was close enough for me. Uh, but yeah, it was fun. It was a good tournament. Uh, good competition all across the board. Um, you know, Concord is ranked 16th in the preseason polls, and they got a couple new players uh, with them. a Couple transfers, one from Elkhart. Then, the, the old Elkhart Central. Old Elkhart Central, yeah. And one from Sea. So, they got three pretty solid players there. Bell Brunner, Grace Tucker, uh, and uh, the girl from Central, whose name is escaping me right now. I will pull that up there in one second. But, they got a good team. And, you know, in this area, it's, you know, Northwood is the gold standard, obviously. You know, in terms of girls' golf, they have won, right. you know, conference seven straight years. Haven't lost a match in, in that time. Uh, in conference play, uh, you know they it runs through them, and you know they're ranked number ninth in the in the state rankings this week too. But you know it's a uh, it's gonna be an interesting season. I think I think there's some really good teams out here in this area. You know, yeah. so I was
0: I was off yesterday. I was sitting at home, and my phone rang, and it was Larry Kissinger. And I thought, the Goshen Athletic Director. And I thought, why is Larry calling me now? I didn't call him about any story ideas. He he was trying to get a hold of somebody else in Goshen that called him last week. And for some reason, Larry doesn't have my phone number in his phone. So he said, I just called this number because it was a Goshen number from last week. And, you know, anyway, we ended up talking about girls' golf. And he Mm -hmm. said he was really pleased with the pace of play yesterday, that invitational. Yes. He said, You know, not waiting for like everybody in the group, not waiting for the person to go through their whole shot routine before they hit. You know, you could go ahead and start your shot routine while somebody else is doing theirs if you're at across the fairway. Mm -hmm. And he said you'd be surprised too how much not taking the flag sticks out of the hole and having to replace them, Mm -hmm. you know, due to the COVID 19 Mm -hmm. pandemic, how much bat speed's up play too.
1: Yeah, I think so. By the way, the uh, other transfer from Elkhart Central to Concord is Brooke Watson. She shot a 78 yesterday, so I just want to make sure I clarify that. But, yeah, I was really impressed with the pace of play yesterday. Um, So, the Goshen invite, they set it up. Not all invites are doing this. A lot of them are distinct to the traditional kind of format where the best players play with the best players and from each school and so on and so forth. But yesterday... Goshen Invite set it up to where each team played with their own... Like, played with themselves, basically, in terms Mm -hmm. of... And instead of having groups of four, they had groups of three. So each school played six total players, and their groups were in back-to-back stages. So Concord... And it was a shotgun start, 8 a.m. So Goshen started at 1. I think everyone else started on the back 12... Or back 9. Back 12. The back 9. So, uh... I think everyone was done. Like, it started at 8 a.m. and everyone was done by, like, one. Five yeah. hours for a high school girls' invite with seven teams. That's pretty good. Normally, Larry pretty good. said it would take, like, six or six and a half yeah, hours. Yeah, it was get, pretty good. Get good get and, I, and, I mean, like, the first scores were coming in at, like, 12, 12, 15. So, it was really, yeah. really nice pace of play. And and uh, the only thing that delayed it longer was the tiebreaker. So, they, you know, that the total time of the event probably, right. you know, did wrap up to, like, one thirty ish one thirty five. But, You know, in terms of everyone finishing their rounds, they were done by twelve forty-five, one o'clock. It was really impressive. It was like, yeah, (laughs) from a coaching standpoint, you
0: know, you're not playing your number ones with other teams' number ones, which is probably ideally what you want. Right. But if you've got all three, all three of three players and three players from your team. All in six groups. It's got to make it a lot easier for the coaches to follow. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, and I, ta- I asked – And from a stat standpoint, yeah. I
0: think the coaches probably love that.
1: Right. I asked all the coaches kind of what they thought of the format, and I think they all agreed, like, in terms of coaching, it was right. great. It was great because I could yeah. see everyone play. And especially for the first invite, you're still trying to figure out names, even, you only have two practices with them. You're probably still trying to figure out who's who. Um, That's what and, name tags are for. Right, exactly. And you're, you're trying to figure out which players – you know where do you want to put each player? How do you want to? How is each one going to play in a full round? And when you put those two groups back to back, you can actually see all six play all eighteen holes. Right. Where if you're split up, you're only going to watch maybe two or three total players, or you won't be able to see every hole. Or you'll play. see like two or three holes right. for each player. Right. And that's tough. Yeah. So they all agreed, I think, that they liked that setup. Yeah. Although uh, Cassidy Roush from Lakeland, she did mention that you know there was that element of competition kind of missing, right? you know, and especially for someone like Madison Kyle, she's a great individual player for Lakeland. She's a senior. She went to the state invite, you know, she went to state last year as an individual, you know, would her scores have been better if she's playing against the top players like, like Brooke Watson from Concord or, right. you know, who knows, you know, so obviously the, you know, there's, there's pros and cons to everything, but, and it was perfect too, because uh in, Coach uh, Jenna Pasenko admitted, you know, said the same thing. It was, they did it like that yesterday also to help with, you know, social distancing and, and uh, mitig- you know, potentially if someone had COVID, right, heaven forbid, if someone had, had it, they're only going to spread it to teammates on their team. Like, they're not going to give it yeah. to potentially three or four other schools. Right. You know, inter- at least in the sense that if they were playing together. So, and Jenna uh, I don't think you mentioned that's the Goshen coach. Yeah, Goshen coach Jenna Pesenko she she said that. So they you know I thought it was pretty smart. Now they said every other invite they're playing this week is traditional in the sense that like you know the Goshen 1 and the Northwood 1 and the Northridge 1 will all play together and the you know whatever however it pairs out. Yeah. But uh you know for in terms of I thought you know yesterday pretty much went off without a hitch. And that was that was pretty impressive given we've had you know, all this uncertainty, all this question marks well, of what will sports look like when they come back? How are we going to do it? And, you know, for the most, I mean, coaches wore masks. Players wore masks when they were near the clubhouse. You know, they could take them off when they were playing. But, you know, every time they were near it, you know, the clubhouse or grabbing a water bottle or, you know, whatever, they were wearing their masks. You know, there was hand sanitizer out there. Uh, I thought it was a pretty well-run event. And I, I, I was pretty impressed, actually, with how it was run.
0: And it was good to get some positive news out of that yesterday because of some of the, the negative, more negative news that came out yesterday ah, too. Like thank God. Uh, Laporte, their boys' football and tennis programs were on hold indefinitely because of COVID nineteen cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Penn and South Bend school systems announced yesterday they're going virtual school until at least October fifth. Yeah. Now they haven't said what that means for athletics. Mm-hmm. Well, but I'm right. assuming they're probably going to play, but who knows? Right, at this and point.
1: I, and obviously I kind of wrote I wrote about that last week where schools are allowing athletes, students to be all virtual and still play sports. Now, it's, will the school allow sports to happen is the key, like that's right. the question. But the IHSCA is allowing it for this year, and schools have the choice to allow that or happen or not. You know, C right. is, you know. Asking its student athletes to come into the building to take classes, you know, if they are going to play sports, you can't just be all virtual. So, right. but most schools are allowing all virtual to count. Uh, I I understand that, I support. I think I, I I lean more in favor of that, letting kids be online and still play sports. Um, but you know, I, I also understand where Wallace is coming from. You know, with their well, if you're going to be wanting to play sports for two three hours a day, you should be able to. Also yeah. go to school, you know, during the day. And The only thing
0: know. I don't like in that situation is you're forcing a kid to make a choice. Right. What's more important to that kid, going to school or playing sports?
1: Right. So it, it is tough. It's, you know, that's I, that's maybe not fair to the kid or the parents. Right. I don't but. think it's fair to put a
0: family in that situation.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's you know, cra- it is. I know. realize
0: these are crazy times and I you know. have to do that, but it's, yeah. it just doesn't seem fair to me.
1: If you had told us... At the beginning of this year, that this is what we would be talking about on the podcast in August. Would you? <laughs> no. Nope. <laughs> no. No. I would have. I would have probably. Uh, you know. I don't know if I would have slapped you in the face, but I would have thought about it. You know. I probably would have slapped myself in the face. Yeah. <laughs> fair enough. I mean, honestly, fair enough. So, uh, but yeah. And
0: and, the, and then another one is Rochester announced yesterday they're shutting everything down until at least August twenty fourth. Right. Because of COVID cases, that right. that's going to hit their first football game even.
1: Right, their first football game will be canceled. And at least their first, and, and probably their second game, because the IHSA requires ten practices before your first game. So in theory, right. if they even, whether those,
0: I don't remember if those are ten consecutive or ten.
1: Well, they even they haven't you know, even had one. You know yeah, what I mean? Yesterday true. was supposed to be Monday was the first day. If they got canceled they yesterday, just, yeah. So they'd have to you know if they started practicing that Monday, August twenty fourth. 10 practices would be, you know, they'd be ready for their week three game. They wouldn't be able to play week two, though, which would be that August 28th game. So I wrote it down. I think they lose Wabash and Knox on their schedule if, you know. Yeah, I don't know if those are conference games for them. I'm not sure either. I should have double-checked that. But, um, yeah, so it's, you know, I mean, we're seeing it everywhere in all leagues and, uh, you know it's baseball's just, got all kinds of problems right now <laughs> major league baseball can't figure their stuff out right now that was, I'll,
0: um, I'll still go back i said i said before they even started the baseball season i said they'll get going but they'll never finish it
1: yeah it's very it's very frustrating too because you know as a uh as a sports fan this has been a great you know other than that that it's been a pretty much an awesome week with nhl back this past weekend and the nba's yeah. been playing and MLB, when they do play, has been fun to watch. I mean, you know, But the problem
0: is those others, the NHL and the NBA, you think, did it right. If you're going to play, they've got everybody isolated. Right. And, you know, the NHL is, what, two, I think two cities. The NBA's got everybody isolated in one. Right. So there's no traveling involved. Right. That's, I think, the problem Major League Baseball is going to have is they're traveling all over the country.
1: Right. And, you know, there are when when the MLB was negotiating the comeback to play in May and June uh, you know there was a lot of talk about potentially doing a baseball bubble with the spring training camps you know it would be right. different divisions, obviously you, you know between Arizona and St. In, uh, Florida but and then of course, I, I'm not sure I think the players rejected that idea you know they wanted to play in their home parks even if it was with no fans uh, you know in hindsight, you know, maybe that should have been pursued more by the owners. Maybe that should have been a more viable option. But yeah. at the same time, I mean, the the NBA has been lucky because they are all in that Orlando bubble. Like, they're all on the Walt Disney wide world of sports complex where, like, if you played baseball in, in the two bubbles of Florida and Arizona, there is still room to travel. You are still going. You know, it's not a lot of travel. Right. But it's still travel. It's still... And... You have run the risk of players, you know, leaving their hotel rooms, you know, to go out to the bar and get a drink, and then boom, they got COVID and they give it to well, five of their teammates, it, and it's over. Isn't that the last NBA guy that's come down with COVID mm-hmm. was somebody that left? Well, right.
0: The I don't bubble to go to a I think it was a family funeral mm-hmm. or something. He goes out to a nightclub <laughs> while he's out and yeah. comes back and tests positive for COVID. Yeah. So
1: it's it's uh yeah it's you know, there's a lot of accountability. Like that's the key word with all of this right now is accountability on everyone, athletes, people running the leagues, making sure they're enforcing it. Like there's a lot of bickering between like, who's at fault for this MLB stuff, right? Is it the player's fault for going out? Is it Rob Manfred, the commissioner's fault for not enforcing the rules or not making strict enough rules or whatever? I mean, I think it goes both ways. I don't think You know, the the players should know if they want to play this season, they shouldn't be doing anything stupid, basically. But, you know, at the same time, you know, MLB put out that 113-page, you know, rules of, like, what to do, what not to do. And how many guys have you seen doing high fives and spitting and, you know, like, breaking the rules, like, you know, pretty much the entire time that they they have set out for MLB. So is that on Manfred for not enforcing that? You well,
0: know like I I'm, I'm absolutely positive every every one of those major league baseball players the first thing they did was sit down and read that 113 pages of rules. <laughs> I'm sure everyone I'm read it and I'm, knows it by heart.
1: <laughs> I would have gotten to like page 8 and been like, "Ah, that's enough. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to read like the bullet points. Like the anything bolded I'll read that yeah. and then like yeah. anything else, you know. Just tell me where to show up and what what to do what not to do." And like, uh,
0: I posted this on my Facebook page uh, Saturday as I was watching the Blackhawks game. Mm -hmm. I can tolerate baseball with no fans Mm -hmm. or even cardboard cutouts in there. (laughs) Basketball the same way, but hockey to me is not the same sport without fans in the stands. It's different. The Blackhawks were up by three or four goals in that game at one point Mm -hmm. in time. Could you imagine how nuts the fans in Chicago would have been going?
1: I kind of miss the smacking of the glass by fans. That's kind of what I... That's kind of the big thing, too, is, like, you do miss that, but um, I I don't know. Like, they're making it feel like as much of a normal home game or normal game as possible. I don't know if you stayed up late last night to watch the Blackhawks and Oilers game, two, but uh, Connor McDavid had a hat trick, and, like, they had... People like designated NHL employees like throwing hats onto the ice to, you know, for the hat trick, like how fans would. See, I thought that was hilarious. Like, that's awesome. Like, it's, it's, embrace the weird you know what I mean like embrace the weird like I wish it wasn't going against the Blackhawks of course but yeah. as, a, as a Hawks fan and long time but it, Illinois resident but that's nothing compared to
0: the Detroit Red Wing fans throwing the, the octopus on the on the on the if, ice when if, they score if the Red Wings were in the yeah. playoffs
1: would they have to go get an octopus from like I don't know I guess they would be in Toronto are there a lot of octopus octopus in Toronto I don't I, know i don't know. I've I don't never know. been shopping for octopus in in Toronto. I have not either. So I, I maybe I'll check that off the bucket list eventually. So, uh, but yeah, I I mean I do miss I, I do miss the fans. I think it's been I've gotten more used to it, and I think a lot of it too. Like for you and I personally, like we we both watch professional wrestling, like WWE, and so we we've been used to watching it without fans, sports without fans for yeah. a couple months, and then they brought in their – you know some people to be there to like cheer and like smack the glass that they have put up but um i I've, I've gotten kind of used to it um the fake crowd noise being pumped in in the the first weekend or so in the MLB it was really bad but i think they've gotten better with that where it sounds a little more natural like that first weekend it was like there was like really weird spikes in crowd yeah. noise where like yeah. this past week or so i've been watching it up and like it feels a little more stabilized, for lack of a better term. But, yeah, it's a – yeah, so hopefully we can finish the MLB season. I mean, the Marlins, I think, are back playing. They're going to start playing tonight with, like, you know, 12 AAA players and, you know, 12 pro professional players, basically. And the Cardinals are off till Friday. The Cubs and the Cardinals play this weekend. They're supposed to play this weekend in St. Louis. The Cubs are the only team to not have a positive COVID test yet. So, you know, they're trying to keep their streak alive, and they're about to go play a team that has 13 of them. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't mm. know if that series will be played. And, you know, the Cubs have been lucky to not have any of their games canceled because of COVID. They had one game yeah. rained out. But, right. you know.
0: And, you know, if, if you're going to lay blame, if, at least from what the stories I've heard, there's gotta be some blame on the Marlins ownership because mm-hmm. from what I've read and what I've been told, they actually said players out on the field that they knew had tested positive for COVID. Yeah, if that's true, that's that, that's that, negligent. That is reckless and yeah. you know. I I would almost be the point to say, hey, you're gonna forfeit the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. I mean they might I mean like you saw it kind of with uh the MLS when they came back. You know, they had two teams that had like six, seven tests when they got in that bubble in Orlando and the teams pulled out of the tournament they're like we we we're going to just not play nashville yeah. and fc dallas both decided not to play yeah i mean i don't know if the mlb could be that extreme but obviously if you pull a team out right now that changes everyone's schedules i mean especially with you only playing certain opponents anyway yeah. so it's just going to it would affect the nine nl and al east teams left but, I mean, if that's the only way you could do you just, it. You know, we were talking
0: about accountability before. you got you got to hold that team right. accountable They've for already, doing something the, like that. The
1: Marlins have already missed a week's worth of games. They're going to have to play a lot of double headers here to catch up, you know. But it's, yeah, I guess, like, you know, accountability. It all comes back to that kind of word right now. It's like yeah, we all need to be accountable. We need to, you know, if we are even feeling remotely sick, even like a sniffle like, stay home, you know, oh gosh, oh no, hey, we're six (laughs) feet away, we're six feet away, but even like, you know, personally, like for me, two weeks ago, I woke up uh, on Thursday morning, and I was just like, had a headache a little bit, and I wasn't feeling like, I was feeling a little fatigued, and I was like, I don't want to even risk that, like, I'm not even gonna mess with trying to come in right now, I went and got a COVID test, like, right away, I was like, I'm not even gonna try to like, and I stayed home, and luckily, you know, you guys were We were you were okay with that, obviously. You know, I don't want to come in here and if I had it, you know, and spread it to other people. So you got to be super like conscious of everything right now with your health. Like even anything like Chris Bryant for the Cubs, he had like something like a stomach ache. Basically, is what there was a fancy term for it, but he basically had a stomach ache, and he took stomach ache was the technical medical term. I, I it might be. It's my technical term. Um, But he sat out two games and took COVID tests each day just to make sure it wasn't COVID, yeah. you know, and then he came back last night. So like, you gotta be on top of it. You gotta be accountable. You gotta everything. You can't go out. Like if you want to make your millions of dollars playing baseball or basketball or hockey right now, you have to just be smart and be right. accountable. And you know, that's where you see a lot of kind of pushback in a sense of, uh, Non-professional sports—you've seen it with college football. The Pac-12 players came out and voiced a lot of their opinions of what they need to be means, needs to be put in place, basically. Oh yeah, for to play a season, you know. And high school—they're going gonna, gonna to face the same issues because you know high school athletes don't get paid. So, I mean, I'm not saying like you're going to see high schools like high school players like band together and you know try to like oust the IHS the new IHSA Commissioner or anything. But you know, you gotta. You gotta, you know, make sure like if you're not if you're not gonna get paid for this, at least you gotta know that you're gonna be safe. You know, that's that's my thing. Yeah. It's like yeah. so it's <laughs> you know, we're we're at the we're at the breaking point right now. We're at I mean, I feel like we've said that for three weeks in a row now, but like we we need to know, like we're gonna either have a football season or we're not. You know, this is this is where it's gonna be figured out. You know, collegiately, NFL, you know, high school, like we gotta yeah. kinda start practicing and you know, hopefully test kids if they, you know, feel sick and hopefully no one tests positive and we can play a season, but it's... Let's say that's a problem. One of the problems in high schools, high schools don't
0: have the resources to test kids that often, you know, that's going to fall on the parents. Right. It's going to. The responsibility to
1: test kids. Right. And if anyone feels any sort of symptom, you know, just go, you know, I was lucky that the, you know, know, they were doing the free testing out in front of the Kroger there in Goshen. Uh, So I got lucky I got to go take a free test, but... You know, yeah. hopefully, parents and kids are able to go get free test or have insurance to go get a test. You know, at a doctor or whatever. It's yeah. You know, it's it's a
0: <laughs> at, le- at least during yeah. this pandemic, the days are gone of rub some dirt on it and go back out on the field. Yeah, you know, okay. we're
1: not going to see that probably ever again. <laughs> so those days are gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh. Yeah. Just a um. Crazy time, but and uh, yeah, along the lines of no fans. Yeah.
0: Roger Penske announced today that the Indianapolis five hundred will be run on August twenty
1: third with no fans this year.
0: Yeah, it's been fun It went of, from fifty percent to twenty
1: five percent now to no fans. It's been fun to kinda of like monitor you know, the progress of that. You know, obviously like in February we were still planning on it being Memorial Day weekend when it's a traditional right. spot with two hundred thousand people there. And then it, you know, moved to August with we don't know what we're going to do with fans yet. And then it was August with 50% capacity, and then it went down to 25%. Now it's 0%. It's it's
0: tough, but, you know. Well, and even with 25% capacity of the stands down there, that would have been
1: 80,000 people. Yeah, that's crazy. That's a large right. crowd for this day and, and age. Now, now, granted, would 80,000 tickets have been sold? Who knows? I mean, you. but still, 80,000 would have been made available. Right. And that's the issue is like. How are you gonna do that right now, especially in Marion County where that's, you know, the hardest hit county in Indiana in terms of COVID numbers and deaths and and obviously that's because the big city is there, so you're gonna have more people that potentially could get it. You know, more people are gonna get it in mm-hmm. Marion County than LaGrange County, you know. But uh yeah, how do you how do you try to bring in people to that event, eighty thousand people? You know, it's not a matter about socially distancing them in the stands. It's a matter of getting them in the stadium to begin with and out of the stadium. You know, how do you mitigate those crowd, you know, yeah. crowded areas? So it's, it's I, I understood the decision, but I've never been down
0: for the race. I've been down for the time trials though, and getting in and out of there amongst all those fans, and mm-hmm. even at the time
1: trials, was right was a hassle. Right. So it, it's. I'm not surprised, you know, and I'm sure the, the racers have been used to this now. They haven't had fans for three months, you know. Right. NASCAR's been going since, you know, late May. IndyCar's been going since, I think, June or whatever. and So, yeah, it's not a surprise. So, it, it's disappointing, of course. It's another thing to add to the list of, you know, sporting events that have either been canceled or have been forced to have no fans. Well, and it's another thing to add to the list of first for this year. Yeah. yeah. It's the first time the 500s has ever been run in August. Right. Yeah. And I mean, the first time without any fans. And yeah. So it's it is it's it is uh you know, it's tough but you know, it's 2020, it's, man. <laughs> it's like the PGA. The PGA
0: Championships are this is this weekend. Yeah. And that's going to be the first major of the year. Normally by now we've we've run they've played the Masters, they've played the US Open. Yeah. This would be the third. Normally in a normal year this would be the third Major championship of the year This year it's going to be the first one
1: Yeah, it's weird And the same thing with um, You know, the Belmont Stakes The horse racing was the first one the, In June I almost forgot that it, it happened Like, right. it happened so long ago now It was like two months ago But the Belmont did run In June in New York And then I think the next one is The Kentucky Derby And then it's the Preakness It's like, it's a weird You know, this is whole year It's just goofy You know, and we've, we've been living in it Obviously <laughs> the whole time and uh, it's, it's been up and down. And you never know what's going to happen next. And you're still waiting to hear, you know, official words on a lot of things, you know, at least in Indiana's sake. Like, we don't even know if Notre Dame, it, for football, is having a, a camp. Like, camp started this day two year, last year for Notre Dame. Right. Are we, are we, what's going on? You know, they were down in Culver. I was down in Culver yeah, this day last year, you know. Watching Ian Book throw passes and watching Kyle Hamilton have four interceptions, and we thought Kyle Hamilton was the next coming of Jesus himself. You know, I mean, that was the takeaway. And uh, it's just crazy. We don't. We have no idea. Nothing.
0: And now here we are a year later. Like you said, we don't know when they're going to schedule camp and stuff. We don't. Even, they haven't even released their schedule yet. We don't even, we yet, don't even know they? their schedule. Period. I mean, all we know is they're playing ten games in the ACC.
1: Right. You know, and you one non-conference know. game. One conference game that has to be played in the state of Indiana, so uh, you know if if they're requiring you to play a Indiana school, that eliminates IU and Purdue, Purdue. because they're both playing Big Ten. Yeah. So you, what do you left with? Ball State. I mean, in my opinion, yeah. I think this is what's going to happen. They have and, played Ball State before. They played them two years ago. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion, I think this is this is what will probably happen. Is you know they've they obviously already have lost USC and Stanford. And Wisconsin, but the USC and Stanford are the two rivalry games they lost. I think unfortunately you're going to have to cancel the Navy game, just because I don't know if Navy's going to want to travel to South Bend two years in a row, and it'll be a third year in a row next year when it actually is supposed to be played in South Bend. Yeah. So Notre Dame had Western Michigan already scheduled this season for a non-conference game. Obviously, Kalamazoo is what an hour away from South Bend, if that roughly. I am assuming, and this is just my opinion, that they will probably keep Western Michigan on the schedule because it was already going to be a home game. That's a bus drive, you know, from Kalamazoo to South Bend, yeah. probably. I haven't so, seen what the MAC is doing with their I think the MAC is still keeping open non-conference games because Ball State just scheduled Iowa State. So, you know, but now, but now Iowa State, the, the, the Big 12 is moving. Well, they're moving to a 9 a nine conference games plus one non-conference for the Big 12. So they might still keep Iowa State. Iowa State might keep Ball State. But, um, yeah, I, I'm assuming that Notre Dame will keep Western Michigan and play them whatever you know, wherever their schedule accommodates for the ACC. So, it, yeah, it's a lot of moving parts and a lot. Too many things to talk about, not enough time. I mean, we've been rambling here for almost 35, 40 minutes probably, so. I don't know if we're getting that stairs. I haven't gotten the cutoff sign yet from Sheila. Yeah, I haven't gotten. She's she fell asleep, so you know that's that's okay. uh, that's okay. So she loves her sports talk so much she falls asleep. I know.
0: I know. And uh, my story in Monday's paper about Stephen Cressmar, the Concord singer swimmer, not singer. He might sing. I haven't heard him sing. Who went to ended up going to Villanova, and the odd thing about his trip to Villanova is he was emailing colleges looking for. You know, about possible places to go swim.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Said he'd never really heard of Villanova other than their men's basketball team. Yeah, pretty good Sends team. Sends him an email. Coaches come back and say, yeah, we'd be interested in having you come out for a visit. He goes out for a visit. Eh, he said school's all right, but he wasn't really that impressed with it. Ends up the, the area, they're just outside Philadelphia. End up getting hit with a major snowstorm. He gets snowed in for two days there, beyond his two-day visit. And what happens? He gets around the swim team, outside of practice, gets to talk to the guys like that, falls in love with the place and decides to go to college there. So he can thank (laughs) thank Mother Nature.
1: All all uh, because
0: of a snowstorm, he decides to... Ends up going to college.
1: Eric. You never know what's going to happen, man. Those those visits, you know. And,
0: it, and it turned out well for the uh, for Villanova because he turned out he was a four time All Big East Conference selection in swimming.
1: It's pretty good. Won a couple uh, conference championships as well. Yep, I know. First
0: year they won the 200 yard. I think it was the freestyle relay. Mm-hmm. And he said that was one of the biggest highlights because he said Villanova's swimming program really wasn't that good when he started there. He said they were kind of on the up upswing. Mm -hmm. And he said the four guys sat down and said, you know, people aren't really giving us much of a chance to win this, but he said they looked and they all figured out the times they thought they had to swim to put together a relay time that they thought could compete for the title. He ended up going a full second under the time that
1: he he had blocked out for himself Mm -hmm. to swim. It's pretty impressive. I mean, it's hard to cut a full second plus off a swim time. It really is. Oh, yeah. You you don't realize how – you know, it's like the it's like the 100-meter dash and, you know, track. It's like you don't realize how much like, a second helps, you know, in those races. Oh, yeah, you know? definitely. So, yeah, and then he capped it off with an 800. Uh, they, yeah, the,
0: the last race with Scotch career, they hit a freestyle relay at the, uh, at the Big East Championships here. They won that, too, so. It's
1: pretty cool, man. You, yeah. You kind of start your career with a championship and end it with a championship yep. and, you know, he he, can, he went out a winner, literally he went, went out, out a winner. winner. So, and
0: this was a guy that was a four year letter winner at Concord, three time team MVP. It's not bad, no. <laughs> and what the other the funniest thing I found about the whole story was the fact he told me that some of the hardest swimming workouts he had were at Concord High School for Coach Tom Johnson. Really, he said those were harder and more physical. And more demanding than the college
1: workouts it, he had, he got him ready for college, I guess. It, so. it did. So kudos <laughs> so, uh, to uh, Coach Johnson over yeah. there at Concord. Concord's obviously been one of the one of the stronger programs in our area for a little some time now, and uh, yeah, obviously the the proof is in the pudding there, I guess. So I guess. yeah, it was a cool story. I, I I I give you a shout out in my column on on Monday for Monday's paper. The college connection stories, I think, have been really cool. So I, I uh, I've been enjoying reading them, and I think people have been enjoying reading them as well. It's another one of
0: those things that would probably not be happening mm-hmm. right now if it would be for the COVID-19 because it would be doing other things.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, and I kind of hit on that, you know, and I, I'm, I'm glad you let me write that a little bit, you know, for Monday's paper, just have, a, have the space, you know. Well, the 20, 20 bucks sh- you gave me to write it didn't hurt. Well, the, yes. Know. Yeah, I, I promised you, yeah, next beer is on me. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I had a lot of emotions just, like, sitting there on Sunday because, like, we knew, I knew, obviously, Monday we were going to have sports to cover again. And uh, or high school sports to cover again. And, you know, it's been crazy. The last four and a half months, I mean, we've done a sports podcast every week too when we haven't had high school sports to talk about. I mean, like that's incredible, I think. Like the fact that, you know, I I don't want to pat ourselves on the back here, but I'm going to for a second. Um, The fact that we've been able to adapt and survive and thrive at times during this has been amazing to me, and it's pushed me personally to think about things I had never thought about think of ways to write stories or stories to write in general mm-hmm. and you know I, I counted it up because i'm i'm weird like that we we wrote combined 232 stories since march 12th which is to me incredible a lot of stories incredible to me to think about that with no sports like happening we wrote 232 like that's incredible in my brain to like i can't process that so uh really Really thankful to, you know, that we were able to give him the opportunity to stay on and prove our worth, basically. And I think we have. So, that's just my two cents. Okay. Okay. Your fun fact. All right. My fun fact for the day
0: (laughs) is for Kim King, who works in our newsroom. Mm -hmm. I'm telling her I selected this personally just for her. Yes. On August 5th, 1921. And no, no, Sheila, I was not alive then. I didn't listen (laughs) to this. Uh, Pittsburgh radio station, KDKA. Their announcer Harold Arlen broadcasts the first ever Major League Baseball game. And on the Pittsburgh Ranger. Pirates defeated. And Kim, are you listening? The Philadelphia
1: Phillies eight to five in that game. I think it proves that Pittsburgh is the far superior city in the state of Pennsylvania. I just think that's what we're what we got what we got out of that. So.
0: Yep. <laughs> I'm sure Kim will agree. I'm, I'm sure she will. I'm sure she will love that <laughs> fact. Uh. All right, folks, I think that wraps up another edition of the Ghost New Sports Podcast. And tune in again next week.